Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And we have some great topics. They're sort of doing like a, I don't know, a grab bag of all the great topics this week. And so, and and there's a lot going on. So we're going to talk about um, Dearborn, Michigan. They've had some heated school board meetings, um, parents rallies, kind of like what you saw in Virginia, Sean. We're going to talk about that because there's a dad who stood up. Um, Arab American, and boy, he really spoke for a lot of Americans when he did. And we have some clips of that, so we want to show that. Um, also, our State Department spending twenty dollars, uh, yeah, tons of money um, over in Ecuador, South America, pushing drag queens. I call it cultural imperialism. We'll get into that. And at the end, I was just recently. Um, over in Randall's Island, which is um, in New York, in New York City, and that's where the new tent city is that uh, Mayor Eric Adams put up. And it was interesting. Compliments be- of an open border by Joe Biden. That's right. So the the illegals were sent from Texas and and everywhere. The 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 homeless shelters are bursting at the seams. They set up a tent city, but it's kind of controversial. We're going to get into it because this is an AOC story. You know, I can't avoid anything to do with AOC. Um, we're going to get her reaction. I'll, t- I'll let you know, Sean, whether she was at the fence crying like she was back in Texas when she saw the tent cities that Trump had. Stay tuned. It's, it's going to be a shocker whether she was crying or not. All right, let's, let's first talk about what's happened in Dearborn, Michigan, because I, I think as, as all parents across the country have been so concerned about what's happening in schools across the country, because we, we give a license to schools to teach our kids about math and science and and English. We haven't given them a license to take our tax money and indoctrinate them and talk to them about really explicit sexual issues. Um, And it's, it's interesting because if, if you know what a a five-year-old is like and a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old and parents know what's age appropriate, kind of what kind of, yeah, well, what kind of, what kind of processing Mm -hmm. your, your child has and these schools are pushing these topics on our kids that are way outside the level of appropriateness and but also shouldn't be talked about in school at all that's not their charge that's not their license to teach our kids about right right um and again i think it's this marxist idea that they want to indoctrinate our kids they want to desensitize our kids 
Um, maybe they want to groom our kids um, to be sexual beings, not well-educated little beings. And now you're seeing parents. Again, we saw it in, in Virginia. You mentioned that. Glenn Youngkin, uh, a Republican, won in Virginia, a Democrat state, uh, beat Terry McAuliffe. And now you're seeing in Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan, which is not a hotbed of conservatism by no. any stretch. No. Um, and and, and it's such back. a great point you bring up because that's what's so interesting about this topic. It's something that left and right agree on. I mean, unless you're on the far, far, far left, um, but most of the people pushing this stuff, they're, a lot of them don't even have kids. Um, so I think this is this is a, a, a great topic. Um, the name of the dad that stood up at this rally, that his clip has gone viral, his name is Hassan Shami. I want you to, hear, we'll play clip one and see, we'll react on the other side. I just want to thank everybody for coming out. My name is Hassan Shami. I'm nothing but a concerned parent in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, guys, we want to make something clear, okay? We want to leave the politics out of this. If you're on Facebook, all you see is fear-mongering political rhetoric that this is book banning, censorship, homophobic. All it is is protecting our children. We, we as concerned parents, we as concerned parents in Dearborn are not tied to the left, to the right when it comes to this issue. And we're not going to be used as pawns for any organization for their own agenda. We're here to protect our children. Yeah, I mean, he has a right as a dad. And and yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people using things like you're homophobic or you want to ban or burn books like you're some sort of, you know, um, well, listen, you, you, you don't want free information. Yeah, that you're trying to protect your kids and you're a prude or something. But also I think what he did is said, listen, this is not political. I don't yeah. want this issue to be hijacked by Democrats or Republicans, left or right. We're not about that. Um, we are about protecting our kids. I'm a dad. That's what comes first. I'm a father. And I think what he did here was tried to take, try to take all the issues, all the blame off the table and say, listen, you're not going to call me a homophobe. Listen, and, he, and I don't know if we have this clip later on, but he says, I don't care if you're talking about gay issues, transgender issues, or straight issues. This is not appropriate it's for sex, my kids. And I don't want you to talk about to it. To talk my about kids. my kids, you know, about sex. That's not right. And again, I think this becomes so politically charged. It's a, it, it has become, to your point, I, I don't think this should have started off as a Republican or Democrat issue, but it has become that because Republicans have been the We're party that have it. said, listen, this is inappropriate, and it's Democrats or Democrat unions and teacher unions who have been pushing the sexualization of children. He said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that game. You're not gonna hijack concerned parents. We just want you to fix the education for our children because they don't deserve this. And it kind of started in the library because their, you know, parents started seeing the books that their kids were checking out or getting exposed to. And so then the school board said, Well, we're gonna have a system where you can opt out of the books. And the parents were like, well, wait a minute. I don't have time. Like, first of all, in this community, you have some parents who don't speak English. So that was a problem. Two, they have thousands of books there. I can't opt out of. I can go through a thousand books and decide what I'm going to opt out of. So the parents are like, no, we, what we want is a process. We want a process where they get vetted before they even get into the library. And that's sort of what what stirred some of this. But but it is about all the other stuff that's being Can taught in the, in the classrooms as well. Let me give you a flashback to what happened in Virginia. So this really started when there was one concerned mom, uh, and this expanded into many other moms. But what she did is she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the school board, and I'm going to take the books that they have in the library, or I, other books were required reading material. 
and I'm going to take passages and I'm going to take the open mic opportunity to start reading to the school board the crap that they want my kids to read. And she got shut down. The school board said, this is inappropriate. This is... There's children, they said, you, there's children in the you room. You can't talk about this in an open school board meeting. And she was like, exactly, that's my point. You have our kids reading this. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even appropriate at, a, at an open forum government meeting at a school board. That's how... That's the filth that they yeah. want our kids to read. And they want to pollute their minds. I'm sorry, pollute their minds with these sexual ideas when they should be playing baseball, play Barbies. Um... Reading go, a book. Go skateboarding. Book. Go, I mean, go go swim. Go. Those yeah. are the things that I think are helpful in developing kids. And I think this goes to something else, Rachel. The the, the bonds that, that young kids have, you know, young boys and young girls, and then even some of the interplay between boys and girls when they get a little bit older. And it's all really can be uncomfortable, but they're ruining those relationships because the undercurrent in now those relationships is is sex and sexualized yeah and i think it really impacts you know kids ability to see each other as a friend and a human being they're being taught to sexualize everybody that they come into contact with whether now because of the gay issue whether it's a boy or a girl yeah that's really interesting i hadn't really thought about that i i think about the bonds they're breaking between parents because i think that's ultimately their goal they don't like the values that so many parents have, these traditional values, and they know they have to go younger and younger and younger to really groom them. And people go, well, why is it taking this long? I mean, the, the, this kind of, um, you know, indoctrination and this kind of grooming has been going on for a long time. And people are finally standing up like this man, Hassan. But a lot of people have been quiet. A lot of parents have been quiet because they're afraid that they're going to be called anti-trans or homophobic um, or somehow be, you know, called weird or prude. And so here's um, Hassan addressing that. The progressive dogma from the top down that has public schools in the chokehold will not indoctrinate our children. People tell me, people tell me, Huss, don't go up and speak. They're going to ban your, they're going to protest your businesses. You're going to get fired from your job. I got three children. My purpose in this world is to protect my kids, and that's all I will do. And nobody will stop me. My purpose in this world is to protect my kids. Yeah, that's my number one job. That's so, yeah, job. I have a job. It, it may be threatened by me speaking out at this rally, but my number one job are these kids, and I can't sit back and let this happen. And that's really the attitude I think we all need to have, but it's hard. I mean, people's livelihoods are on the line. They have made this a really high stakes game, Sean. This kind of, as, a, as, a, as a father and a man, I, I look at what's happening here. And in Virginia, it was a lot of moms. Don't yeah. mess with mama bears. Mm -hmm. You're messing with their kids. And not that men didn't care about it, but you didn't see men take a vocal front row seat in there. as much as women. I look at this and a dad saying, I don't give a damn about my job, I don't care about being canceled. My job on this earth is to raise good kids. And, you know, that's the line I draw. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for my kids. And I think if more men Do you stand think this up is the rise of the Papa Bears? Masculine, the, the masculine male who now is here to protect his kids. Someone's at my door. Mm -hmm. The wolf is at my door. And now I got to stand up and I have to defend my family. And that's what I think you see him doing here. And, I, and, I, and I, as a man, I love, what, I love what he's doing for his family. And he's a lesson and, and an example for the dads out there to have the same kind of passion and fearlessness that so many moms have had in, in, in the country.
I there I, I'm gonna say I there were some really amazing dads in Virginia. There were. But I will tell you what the mama bears did is they did a lot of the organization. And this is the rise of the papa bears. I'm 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 feeling your vibe on that. And to that point, here's what he said at the end, because this is the point. I mean, you can stand up and yell to your blue in the face, but if you don't organize, nothing's gonna happen. So here's what he said at the end of his talk. So we need everyone here. You get into your group chats, you talk to your friends, your family members, your aunts, your uncles, and you say you have a responsibility as a human to stand up for the children in Dearborn. Thank you very much. It was four minutes long, but they've been a four, four and a half minute speech. And he was, he was, he crushed it. He crushed it. And it it took courage. Um, I thought he, he gave, you know, he laid out the problem. He, he addressed people's fears about sticking out up for the children. And I mean, these, like I said, this is a high stakes game. They can boycott your business. There are many businesses across the country um, that have been subjected to this kind of, you know, boycott and abuse. But what I loved is at the end, he says, talk to your friends, talk to your family members. Cause what the trick on the left, Sean, is that they want to make you think that you're alone. You're alone. No one stands with you. No one's with you. Yeah. And here you go. Listen, everybody's with me. All parents are really with me. Can I tell you what else I, I, I find interesting with this movement in our schools that have been so destructive to education and the sexualization of our children? It's our fault. It really is our fault. This has been happening no, uh, for, for a couple decades. And we saw it, we sat idly by and we would hear stories about it, but we didn't think it's going to be in my, my neighborhood or my community or my school. And good people didn't do anything. And now these crazy leftists have completely taken over the school, and it is a massive mountain that we now have to climb to get our schools back. And I think the same thing, Rachel, is happening with – because I thought, this can't happen to our schools. What these crazy Marxists want to do to our kids to sexualize them never happened in America, and it is. The same thing is going to happen with the military. We have this vision of what the military oh, it's is. It's already happening. And the left is working overtime to completely transform the military from a fighting machine into a social activist organization funded by the government that's not about fighting, not about keeping us safe, but about social change coming out of the military. Who's he? We're going to have ships? We're not, I mean, as China, you did the story on Fox and Friends, China has more ships than we have in the military. Mm-hmm. And we're not concerned about building more ships. We're concerned about the carbon footprint that a ship has on the oceans Mm -hmm. are you kidding me this is these people are stupid and we're going to be at risk um our our sovereignty our safety and our freedom is at risk because these people are so stupid and don't understand history or how the world works we'll have more of this conversation after this since the 1970s working class americans and u.s investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power in contrast investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over five thousand percent for americans who invested fifty thousand dollars in gold when america left the gold standard in the 70s their gold is worth more than 2.5 million dollars today While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. 
Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. You know, uh, you talk about the military. I'm going to transition over to the State Department. Not sexually. You're just going to transition topics. Yeah, I'm not going to transition. (laughs) I'm not going to physically transition. I'm going to transition this topic. Yeah, (laughs) I won't do that to you. Um, I'm I'm going to transition over to the State Department because that's another institution that has been totally wokeified. And again, this has been happening for a long time. We have friends and family members who have been part of the State Department and have been telling us a lot of things that have been happening there for a long time. But it's just everything under Biden has kind of gone under onto like overdrive. And they're just shame, so shameless about it that they don't even do it under the radar mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so one of the things that the State Department does, uh, and, by, and by the way, our State Department, you talk about failure, we're getting into stupid wars. Our state, this is the State Department that did not have the skill set or the desire, which is actually more troubling, yeah. to, you know, use its diplomacy power to prevent the war from even stopping, uh, starting in Ukraine, this war that's causing so much destruction and famine and food and instability and death and displacement. It's been so destructive. I wish we had, it had never started. I never felt like there was an ever, ever an effort to, you know, stop it from starting. And then once it started, we are, we now know that our own government um, interfered with some other countries who were trying to uh, bring about some negotiations. So, so what's happening? That's the context in the State Department. But here's what they are working on. Um, the State Department is is giving Ecuador um, $20,000 for a cultural center in Ecuador so they can host drag shows. Now, here's what's interesting. What the State Department does, because it works with other organizations and within our government that fund so what they do is they say, oh, there's all, you know, we're doing this for humanitarian reasons and human rights of gays and lesbians in, in, uh, in, uh, in Ecuador. And basically, they strong arm these countries into taking um, this money and, and creating this center and doing drag, drag theater performances. And of course, then the ambassador will probably come to that. I mean, it's really kind of crazy stuff. It's, it's, these are Catholic culturally conservative, family-oriented, child-centered cultures. And they're, we're using our tax dollars, which is troubling in and of itself, but also we're forcing these countries into doing things that they would, I mean, if they had $20,000, they probably would want to feed some kids with that in Ecuador rather than do drag shows. Well, I think also it's not just the $20,000. I bet that we threatened Exactly. To withhold other money, That's other right. assistance, other aid, unless they took this twenty thousand dollars and show how progressive they are and and welcome drag shows into their communities. Um, and so my, my concern, you mentioned this at the start, is cultural imperialism. And if you listen to college kids or recent college graduates or college professors, they talk about what an imperialist society. Amer- or a country America has been, or the or, British or the Brits, were yeah. imperialists. And we've inflicted our beliefs and our ideas on these cultures, whether they were in Africa or Central or South America, India. In India. Right. The imperialists are always bad in these little Marxist minds. But what are they doing here? This is imperialism. They're taking their woke uh, agenda, their, their gay agenda, and saying, we want to be imperialists enforce this on your community and on your culture. 
which is exactly what the, the old Catholics did when they came to, to America to go, listen, we're going to share the faith. We're going to share the word of Jesus Christ with, with these people who have never heard of him. That's called evangelizing. It's called evangelizing, right? Yeah, this is a, they're evangelizing a different religion here. Can I tell you, Sean, here, let me give you what, what the exact number. So they awarded 20600 to the Centro Ecuatoriano Norteamericano, which means the Ecuadorian North American Center. It's a nonprofit organization, which is supported by the U.S. Embassy and the Consulate. And the... Uh, mission is to promote diversity and inclusion with this money. The project, which started on uh, September 30th, will include three workshops, 12 drag performances, theater performances, and a two-minute documentary. Uh, and all this is according to the State Department themselves. They've had to admit to all of this. Um, why, why, does, why does the Biden administration want to do this, Sean? Well, I think this is there, there's a lot of individuals in this government under Joe Biden that have these ideas and beliefs and they want to share them with the world. And I want to be clear. I listen, I, the people should be able to live freely. They shouldn't be punished for their skin color, their ideology or their sexual preference. I'm a firm believer of in that. Course. And if someone um, is getting thrown off buildings because they're gay, like in Iran or other places. Uh, and I, yeah, with ISIS, especially, yeah, we saw a lot of that. It was horrible. We have to stand up and defend people. Yeah. Um, but that's no different. Question. That's different than saying we want you to embrace this culture that doesn't fit within your culture and your history. Yeah. The drag and, shows is just—I I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, there's something about that. And I don't. I again, I think there's so much work to be done. I think there's. I mean, you see China making a real play in Central and South America. I mean, cutting deals, doing more business, uh, gaining more power and influence in the region. Yeah. And. At a time when that's happening, the State Department should be very concerned about the rise of China in our own hemisphere um, and being, trying to figure out ways on how we build better bonds with these, these countries. And instead of building better bonds, our State Department is pushing ideas on these countries that I think most of them would probably find offensive. Um, again, can be accepted here, but probably offensive there. And again, that's why I think America has lost so much prestige in the world because we don't respect mm. other people's ideas and beliefs. And that's not saying that, again, if you're, if you're, if you're doing harm to someone, imprisoning someone, killing someone, punishing someone. Yeah. And that is happening then, around the world. Why aren't we, let's get involved with that. But I think we're, I think we're cutting deals with Iran right yeah. at the, at this moment. Why don't they say, listen, we're not going to cut a nuclear deal with you unless you, have you know, a protect, protect gay rights and have a drug <laughs> performance. See how that goes, Joe. Over right? in I mean, Iran. Yeah, it's so funny. So no, but I, but I, it's it's troubling the the imperialist ideology. Again, they they always say one thing, or they blame you for being one thing, and then they do the exact. And you may not be, and they do the the, the same thing they accuse you of, of yeah, doing. It's, that's sort of a liberal thing. I'm glad you brought up China, like the the rise of China. And the influence that they have that they've never had in our Western hemisphere right. um, is is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Their influence in Brazil, which is the most you know important and influential uh, you know country in Latin America, but they're everywhere, all over Latin America, and they're buying up resources, and and they're intimidating many of these very poor countries, offering you know corrupt leaders. Money, um, you know, that's their whole thing is elite capture. They've done it here. They're doing it. And it's actually more effective in Latin America where people are poor and um, and corruption is more accepted um, than even here. But they're, you know, capturing the elite. And then by paying off the elite, 
they can capture these resources that they don't have in you know in their own country and this is a serious thing um in our hemisphere and and our state department is worried about you know drag shows and and their own cultural imperialism it's it's frightening stuff one last point on that the monroe doctrine um that in essence says we are going to control our hemisphere we're not going to let other powers come in and influence the countries in our hemisphere we are the dominant power in our hemisphere uh it, it has been very successful for 200 years we haven't had foreign troops on American soil. Now, yes, we were attacked in 9-11. Yes, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had an invasion um, in America for 200 years. And so you look at that and go, well, maybe that's because we've had some control and influence in our region. Mm-hmm. And the Biden administration has completely walked away from these ideas um, and, again, offended countries and rolled out the red carpet for the uh, for the Chinese to step in and, and do big deals, influential deals, the, the Belt and Road program that lends money to these poor countries. And when they can't pay back, it gives them massive leverage uh, over mm-hmm. the country itself. So this is troubling. And again, I wish we had adults in the room. Like they said, we need to get Donald Trump out because we need the adults back in the room. These are the adults? Um They've made a massive foreign policy, and this is this is a very good example. The State Department giving money for drag shows in Ecuador. Um, the stupidity. Of By the Joe way, Biden can I just say before we allies. move on to AOC that also under this administration, turning Mexico into a narco state, yeah. and you can go to one of our our podcasts from a couple of weeks ago. Um, where we talk about that and, and kind of lay out what is happening in Mexico. It's scary stuff, and. Uh, just a lack of focus, a lack of understanding of how important it is to have our neighbors to the south um, really on the same page as yeah. we are. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Uh, So, okay, so let's talk about what's happening. So everyone knows that our borders are open because of Joe Biden. And, you know, Republicans and especially those living in the southern, you know, border states have been, you know, trying to bring attention to it, trying to tell the country because the mainstream media won't tell that story unless you're watching Fox News. You're not seeing the streams of people coming over, the frustration of the ranchers. You're not seeing the interviews with the people who live in those southern communities. Um, But the governor of Texas was the first to go, you know what? If they don't want to come to see the border problems in Texas, we're going to send the border problems over to them. And he started busing um, 
illegal migrants to New York, to Chicago, um, to the East Coast. Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., and things started happening. And then the governor of Florida, because they're getting a lot of the illegal immigrants who come across and get on a taxpayer plane to Florida. And he said, well, we're not a sanctuary state, so you're going to have to leave. And what he did was he sent a group of them to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, exactly. The liberal enclave that welcomes everybody <laughs> uh, from no matter your Obama and Michelle no Obama's status, right? Yeah. Come on in. And we soon saw that actually Martha's Vineyard doesn't want migrants, illegal migrants in their community. Unless um, they're cleaning their house and trimming their right. hedges and serving drinks. So they called in the military and sent those, 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 those migrants out of Martha's Vineyard and sent them to a base to then be redistributed throughout the country. But this is interesting, Rachel, because the, the, these liberal cities, New York, Chicago, D.C., they've gotten just the smallest morsel of a taste of what Texas and Arizona have dealt with uh, with the open southern border. And they've lost their minds. They can't handle the small number, the what, 3,000 people that have been sent, migrants mm-hmm. that have been sent to, illegals that have been sent to New York. They can't handle it. Yeah. Right? And so... Well, um, their homeless shelters are... I mean. They already have a homeless problem, homelessness problem in New York City. You just have to walk for like a minute uh, in the city and you'll see. I mean, it's sad. I mean, people just laying on the ground and wrapped in newspapers or old blankets. I mean, and there's crazy people everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's just there's a drug problem. There's a homelessness problem. And and there's not enough room in the shelters, but they've been putting them in the shelters. And people are complaining in New York City like, hey, there's not enough room and we need more room. So they needed to build a temporary, you know, a tent city. And it was originally going to go into Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district. And before it went up, when they first started, you know, to build it, started to plan where they were going to build it, I went down into her district and interviewed people. And most of the people didn't know that it was happening. Um, AOC had to have known. There's no way that the mayor of New York would have put it in her district without consulting her. And when we went in there and others went in there and started talking to the residents, the residents started to get the constituents in that area were really upset because it was going to be right next to a sort of a beach area. And they were to put it in the parking lot that leads to this beach. This is an area where a lot of families go and play. Um, There's like a boardwalk where people run and they, you know, walk their strollers with their kids and people were in an uproar. Like we can't have a tent city here. And then they came up with an excuse because everyone knew this was considered a flood zone um, before they even planned to put it there. Well, then AOC said, oh, well, it's a flood zone. We can't have it here, which is her way of saying, get them out. And so they sent them um, over to Randall's Island, um, which is just off of Manhattan. It's a little island. You know, it's about a mile or two miles um, long. And they are setting up a tent city there. And Sean. It's pretty plush, I have to say. Um, it's very nicely nicely done. There's all top security. They've they've hired their own security. I think a lot of New Yorkers would like to have their own security. Right. Um, but they have that there around this area. The National Guard is there. They have Xbox. They have um, televisions. They have lounge areas. Um, they're offering telephone banks. Telephone banks so they can make international calls. There's a coffee and tea station, twenty four hours. There is a, a meal, three meals a day, and they're culturally appropriate. So they know that most of them coming in are Hispanic. So they want to make sure they have Hispanic food. Um, 
There's, you know, COVID testing. If you test COVID uh, positive for COVID, there's actually, this is what was remarkable when I saw it, Sean. There's like trailers. There's like, I don't know, eight different trailers. And I thought like, well, I mean, that could be a, it, I don't know they have this in New York. That's a great place for a homeless person who's laying, a homeless vet who's laying on the street. They could use that trailer. They could. And well, I wonder, obviously, they have, they have all the amenities. Again, the Xbox, the phones, the TVs, the lounge chairs, the coffee, a, a lot of uh, culturally appropriate food. So I wonder if they're going to have entertainment as well. The drag shows? Drag shows, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bring the drag sure the shows. Um, step in and make, sure, sure, make sure we give them a, a full, like, you know, assimilation into American culture. And again, I think this, it shows... The, the American value, the New York City values that they say, you know, if you come into the, if you come to this country, we are going to roll out the red carpet and we're going to give you a really nice place to stay with all of these amenities. Um, but again, the homeless in New York City are left to live in just horrible conditions um, on Fox and Friends. I don't know if you heard the interview, uh, but, you know, one of the one of the guys who was um, who there's was a, living there's a homeless in one of the, shelter. Like just a half mile, a mile, half mile away from there. 300 yards away. The the conditions are despicable. There's feces and urine all over the toilets. They're served food, but they said the food is so gross. I don't even know what it is and I won't eat it because it's so disgusting. It will kill you. It'll kill you. I mean, so again, these are the way Americans are treated. And this is the way that that migrants are treated. And it's it's a perversion of priority. Um, by by liberals. And I think that makes a lot of people, I think, really angry. Can I make one other point that goes back to the border? Sure. You did this. You're you, talking you, about AOC? No, I'm not going to. Oh. Not yet. <laughs> you did you did this interview this morning. Um, you did a package yesterday. You did the interview this morning on Fox and Friends. And I watched it. And the one thing I noticed is you're trying to get interviews with people at the tent city. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go to the tent city. Why not? Because it has a gate and a fence and security. It has a wall. Yeah. There's a wall there, so Rachel couldn't go in it's and not just walk up. It's a wall. It's a fence, but there is, like, guards and you security. Yeah. A fence can be a wall. I'm using, I'm using my language, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. using my skills. And here they say walls don't work. We don't want to build a wall at the southern border because it's offensive um, and they don't work. And therefore, we're going to stop the construction of the Trump border wall, right? But here... Right again, they have they have a wall around this premises to keep people out. And so you private can't security and, and the military all there. And so everywhere I tried to ask anyone I could find, can I talk to you? Can you tell me what's going on here? Can we talk about how many, when are they coming? How many are coming? Nobody will say anything. There is a shroud of secrecy around that. Just like the flights that come in the middle of the night, no one knows who's coming, when they're coming. And they all come at night when everyone's asleep. Um, it's, it's just like that. And what's interesting, Sean, is we, I got there at four 30 in the morning. I thought, well, maybe they're going to come while it's still dark. Um, I didn't see any migrants come through. I heard from one of the other reporters that had been there longer than I, that three migrants had come through and the three migrants were brought in a van. And in front of the van was one car, like a security detail. And then behind there was another and only three uh, migrants came out. They are expecting more. And this place can house, I think, you know, between 500 and 1,000. Um, they had portable showers and portable toilets and everything. They are waiting for them to show up. Um, but what's interesting is I did not see, I did not have an AOC sighting. And I thought I might because I remember when there was a tent city in Texas uh, four years ago. She was there. In white jeans, I'll never forget, in her white jeans, and she was crying, and they took pictures. I don't know. She was kind of like Meghan Markle, who always kind of has a crew 
near her to catch her in these moments. And the acting was bad. It was like, you know, I've seen better acting on Telemundo, you know, novelas or on Real Housewives, but she was, you know, crying. But she wasn't crying here. And not only was she not crying, Sean, she is actually, and, and by the way, when she was there, she said that the tent cities were like concentration camps. Mm-hmm. She said they were inhumane. Here, she kicked the tent city out of her district, but she is helping Mayor Eric Adams find the funding for the tent cities from the federal government because she's, you know, a federal So are you saying that these were political tears? She's willing to cry when, when Donald Trump is the president, go to the border and try to make a political issue out of it. But here, when it's her party putting migrants in a tent city, she's like, ah, oh, no big deal. Oh, no, and I'll help you find the money because Mayor Eric Adams is like crying that, you know, he doesn't care that Uvalde, which has a lot less money than, you know, uh, New York City or, you know, all of these border towns are very poor blue collar communities. He doesn't care that it's stressing out their resources. He's asking for extra money from the federal government and AOC is going to help him find it. And so, again, you know, she's, she's, she's a hypocrite. Let's be honest. She's she she's is horrible. she looks for political power, uh, political opportunities uh, to promote her socialist Marxist agenda. That's what it's about, right? And it's actually shameful that she's not more honest as a U.S. representative. She's trying to um, get some pushback in her own district. Have you so noticed yes. that? You've seen some. I don't of have the, I don't have the clip here, but if you, if you go online, you can pull up the clips of her in the town hall in a recent town hall getting massive pushback from people in her district who are angry about. Uh, her position on Ukraine, uh, her position on the border. Um, and again, it's interesting when you have a town hall. I've done, I did town halls multiple so every many year. Of them, so and, many. and you get a really good feeling for where people are at. And as long as people are respectful, again, you can ask any question you want. You can, you know, you can, in your question, not be very nice to me, but I can't have raucousness. You can't have chaos right. in these town halls. But you could tell at her town hall, she was um, she was getting massive pressure. Be, do you wonder why? Because even those who supported her and liked her socialist ideas, they're now realizing socialism doesn't work. Your ideas have failed us in our community. Why are we supporting you when your policies are only hurting me and my family? There's they're waking up. I think in her district now she's going to win this cycle. But if yeah, you look to 2024, she may have some real issues. You think Winning so? Real, I, I I do because. Again, this is so bad for so many people, whether it's crime or the economy. Um, it's it's um, it's I've been to a lot of I've been to a lot of town halls of yours and I've never seen people chant. So this is what they were chanting at her. They were saying, hey, hey, ho, ho, AOC has got to go. Hey, hey. So they were singing that. And then she started salsa dancing to that. And I just wondered if you were in a town hall. And people started singing, hey, hey, ho, ho, Sean Duffy has got to go. Is that the right response? And I, I serious question, because I thought it was insulting that she, I mean, it's, I think it's funny, but I also think it shows no respect for her constituents that her reaction to it is to laugh it off, salsa dance it off. And I, I just think she should be hearing them. That's a true question because Rachel knows I can't dance. Yeah, Let so alone you would not dance. dance. I would not dance because uh, that would. But be, would you laugh it off? Know, I don't. I don't think you laugh it off. But I. I listen when 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 I, I, this, those chants are usually chants by liberals towards Republicans. Happens all the time. Now I it's, heard it, it's liberal on liberal. I, I heard it from Scott Walker. Hey hey ho ho. Scott Walker has got to go. Blah blah. Right? Mm-hmm, they do this. Mm-hmm, they do this mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And do I think that's respectful? I don't. Do I listen? Do I? 
100% disagree with AOC, I do. But if you're going to go to a town hall, don't start chanting and disrupting the town hall. I'm sorry. What you need to do is go, listen, we're going to ask her hard questions. We want to get her on tape and on record on the policies that we think have hurt us. Um, th- that's and that's what, what the guys with the Ukraine question did, right? That's, and they yeah. were effective. That's what, that's, what I think, that's what I think you want to do as, a, as an evolved society. But chanting and yelling at people, I don't care what, what political aisle or stripes you come from. I just don't. And I've been there. I don't, I just, I just, I don't think it works. And what happens is when I was a congressman doing the, hosting the town hall, then, then everyone else loses their right to, to talk to me because I can't stay. I'm not going to stay and just listen to people chant and yell at me. I'll, st- I'll, st- I'll take your hard questions, but I can't, I can't take I, I, can, I understand the frustration and I would, I would be annoyed if I was a member of Congress and people were singing and chanting like that. That said, it's, I don't think my reaction would be to, dance. to laugh it off, to dance it off. I think my reaction would be like, hey, to start to take control of the meeting and to say, I, I want to hear your concerns. And, you know, the, the, the young men that came in um, were true liberals in the classical sense. Um, the ones who were complaining about Ukraine. I hope we can we can insert um, this that clip in here at this point. This is the only thing that matters right now. We could be in a nuclear war at any minute and you continue to fund it. That's what's going on. Why not right now? You're the liar here. Nobody has held you accountable. That's what's happening. Um, Those men came in and said, you're a liberal you told us that you believed in these issues, and now you're acting like, you know, basically Liz Cheney. You're funding this war that's going to lead to a nuclear, could lead to a nuclear war. And, you know, what happened to you? Um, and so I, I think that was a legit question. It did go, it did go viral, and that's what you say is effective at a town that's, hall. That, that's right. And what, I, what I've seen is politics are not, you know, a straight line where you have left on one side, right on the other. It's actually a circle. You're starting to see conservatism and the classical liberals kind of joined together to the point of talking about our kids at school, talking about war and peace, talking about, I mean, some just even the border, you're seeing common sense people from way different viewpoints coming together and agreeing on some very basic concepts, the free speech issue, Um, left and right for the most, many of the traditional liberals are coming together on these ideas of how societies work and what good government looks like. A lot of stuff we'll fight about, but those basic foundational concepts, there's agreement. And I think you're seeing this right here. You're like, are these conservatives? No, they're not. They're actually classical liberals that are giving our pushback on war. And so many of the issues that you talked about where left and right come together are issues that involve children and families, especially yeah. our children. And I think when you, when, when you do things that hurt children, and, you know, even the border issue is one where, you know, we've seen a lot of parents, you know, we're living here in New Jersey. A lot of parents are saying, hey, my class, my kid's class went from 15 to 28. Um, and, and by the way, that increase in their class size are kids who don't speak English. So that's a real, you know, issue with resources and the kind of attention their kid's going to get in that class. So you talk about the the sexualizing and grooming of children through the through the school system using our tax dollars. Um, so all of these things that involve children, I think, are really unifying issues. And I think even the Ukraine war, when we talk about you know a nuclear war, I mean, people go, I want my kids to live. And that becomes an issue where left and right on some 
in some way can come together. You get you had me on New Jersey. So you said we live in New Jersey now, Mike. I can't dang it. I like I I tell you, I so miss Wisconsin. And, and <laughs> I know you there's do. Ron Johnson is in a big political race, there's a big governor's race and our fall is so I'm sorry I'm going offensive. I I have so it's much okay. I miss Wisconsin. I know you um do. and I miss um, Wisconsin in the summer. No, this this is a beautiful time of year and it's a great state and great people and it's kind of a political center. Um and you're right, I'm sitting in New Jersey as I wish I was in Wisconsin right now. But um and by the way, if if you're watching our podcast today, and we're talking about these these issues with regard to what we teach our kids. I'm wearing pink and Rachel's wearing blue. We've kind of flipped the <laughs> script here. <laughs> Not intentional. But listen, I want to thank you all for joining our podcast. Uh, our uh, Also a video, our video podcast. Uh-huh. A little well. hot topics today. Hot topics. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. We would appreciate it. And uh, tune in next week for From the Kitchen Table. We love when you show up and have a, you know, a Yeti cup of coffee. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.